We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. Some underrated Buffalo Bills that are powering this team's 4-2 start. That's the main topic today on Talking Buffalo. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network, your weekday Daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. My name is Patrick Moran. Thank you, as always, for locking in today, whether you're watching this on the video side, whether you're listening to this in audio podcast form. Appreciate you all talking Buffalo Bills today. I'm going to have my man, Anthony Marino, with me here in just a quick minute. Tomorrow's show, live from Imperial Pizza, I'm going to have Buffalo Bills beat reporter Alex Brasky with me. First time uh, having him on the show, so I'm actually looking forward very much to uh, – to that before we get going with today's show with the Bills, anyway. Um, real quick, I'd acknowledge the Buffalo Sabres, their first win in the season, a dramatic one as well on uh Tuesday night, 3-2 win in overtime over Tampa. Uh Dylan Cousins scores the goal. A, a big win for the Bill or for the Bills for the Sabres after losing their first two. They had a two-nothing lead and then nearly blew it. Tampa scores with seven seconds left and uh the stress for Sabres fans, including me, was pretty much through the roof. But you could see the Sabres played with some uh, some urgency. Alex was at the game, too, and I'll talk to him more about the Sabres and that game uh, tomorrow night live from Imperial. But anyway, like I said, today I am joined, as usual, on Thursday's shows by my good buddy Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings, fresh off his trip to uh, to London, man. What's going on, dude? How you doing? Hey, it's good to be back. It's been... Uh... It's been a minute, like when you think about how long it's been since we last connected. So it's good to be back on with you. Yeah, well, I love having you on, man. And uh, so last week, I don't want to say a miscommunication, because like I said, you were in London, literally traveling back. I wanted to hit on that last week with you. Um, the Bills, of course, were there to play the Jaguars. So we're not going to talk about that game. But I do want to take a couple of minutes before we dive into some Bills talk today, which, like I said, at the very top, I feel like there's a, a handful of Buffalo Bills, that at least on the national perspective, really went under the radar that are help powering uh, this good four and two start. Because at the end of the day, there's there's issues with the Bills. But four and two is four and two, and uh, not a bad start for the team. But anyway, London. Tell me some details. But how was London? I have not had a chance really to talk to anybody, and I know like a million people. It seems 
who went to London, but I never really had an opportunity, especially to talk with you about how the actual, forget about the football game itself. Sure. You went there with your kid, right? Yeah, I went there with my son. He's a, a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, you've got multiple kids, Pat. It's, it's not very often that you go on vacation with just one of your kids, right? Or without your spouse. So sure. it was just me and him. And, and that experience in itself was just great. You know, it's not like, hey, if you're deciding what you want to do, let's, you know, have five people in on making the decision. It was just like, hey, this is what we feel like doing. And I will be honest, like when we were there, just being around downtown London, seeing the sights, there were Bills fans everywhere. I mean, yeah. everywhere. it was there was I we saw like one person with a Jaguar shirt before the huh. actual game day and Bills fans all throughout, you know, any monument you were walking by, any of the sites, the historical areas. Um, I had never been to London. Obviously, my son had never been. And uh what an amazing city. I mean, you just are walking around and it is just like, there's the Tower of London, there's Tower Bridge, there's Big Ben. Like, It's like you're walking through a, a history class, right? Of things that you've seen on television or you've seen in the movies or you've read about in textbooks. And just to be there, it's just like you, you certainly felt like you were someplace special to the point where the football game became secondary, yeah. right? Because it was at least for us, right? And we, you know... Good gosh, my buddy Matt Swain from the UK Bills backers, I mean, had events going on, pub crawls, all kinds of activities for the fans, which was great. We didn't really participate in any of that stuff because it was like, we're we're here. We want to take in as much of the city as we can. Um, you'll appreciate this. On Friday, um, we took the tube out to, to Richmond to, to visit May's Pub, um, the Prince's Head, it's, it's called, and you know, to to have a meal there, to walk in. Of course, there were some other Bills fans there. But when you're walking around Richmond, it is exactly what you would think it feels like, right? When you come out, out the pub, you're walking up the, the cobblestone alleyway towards like where Ted would have his apartment and where he and yeah. Peter would, would walk so many times, the, the shops with the shopkeepers. It was just something to see. And I know a lot of times folks will talk and say like what you know whatever it's just a tv show like for a lot of people it was more than a tv show though right at a a time through the pandemic where there was a just a weird cloud of everything here was this positivity and to go out there and spend a little time in addition to everything else that we did but you know we've talked about ted lasso so much on the show before uh that was that was pretty special Oh, man, dude, I, I got to tell you, that was one of the things I was most envious of you talking about that. Um, our, our good buddy, Ryan Talbot, you know, partners up with Matt Perino for the Shout Podcast up from Syracuse.com. You put a couple photos. I got one on the video side up there. It's him sitting on a bench. Richmond, I guess there's some kind of like Ted Lasso, like walking tour or something. I know he's he, he had a couple of the same spots that that you're talking about as well. But yeah, man, just the scenery. I was jealous that I probably was more jealous of that part of, of the trip or not going, I should say, than any other thing, any of the Bills backer parties, obviously the, the the football game itself. But yeah, what a cool moment, man, to be able to, I've never been overseas. I haven't really done a, a ton of vacations, period, but I've definitely never been overseas. And I would imagine, you know, your son who, who's in high school and he gets to be older as an adult, I'm sure he'll, uh, He'll grow up and he'll appreciate being able to do something like that even more, man. It's just, uh, I don't want the Bills to play in London anytime again, though, anytime soon. So 
I well, mean, if you want to go there so. again with one of your other kids or or your wife <laughs> by yourself or whatever, that's cool, man. But not for a, a Buffalo Bills game um, for a long time. But yeah, I feel like these are memories that you're going to have with you for, for years and years to come. And I know he will for sure. Well, my wife had texted me after the game, and she's like, "The Bills losing did that like ruin the trip?" And I told her, and I'm dead serious. I've never cared less about an outcome of a Buffalo Bills game than I sure. did against the Jaguars. Like yeah. we were there. Certainly, if they came back and won, that would have been fantastic. Everyone would have felt great. But it was at that point of like we had just had the best time on Saturday. We went to a Premier League match, which was fantastic. I mean, for anyone to go over there, like who yeah, was it? We went to um, it was uh, Fulham against Sheffield. So you know, as far as the way the schedule worked out, Fulham middle of the pack. Um, but we had great seats. They won three one. It was such an experience, right? I mean, to just be there and to be a part of that crowd um, for anyone, right? Like, yeah, don't don't wait for the Bills to go back to to London or anything along those lines. But if you get a chance to go over there. And, and catch a Premier League match, it is certainly something unlike anything I've ever experienced before. You know, you say that you never cared about the outcome of Bill's game less in your life, and I kind of relate to that a little bit. Now, you're going overseas. This was a much bigger commitment. But last year, I've been a lifelong Notre Dame fan, but I had never been yeah. to a Notre Dame game before. And last year for the, the home opener against Marshall, me and three other friends went to South Bend. And again, this is my first time ever in South Bend. And, you know, you see it on TV every week, especially if you grow up a fan of the team and all the stuff that goes on in the city. So we went there, we spent a weekend, had the greatest time. Um, I just felt like I was soaking everything in. Like we went to the campus pregame uh, parties, you know, the bookstore, just so many events going on on campus. And then just around town, a couple of the famous bars, uh, including one of them, I can't remember the name of it actually, but it was where scenes from uh, the, the film Rudy were filmed. It just felt great to be there in that moment. And as for the game, they lost to freaking Marshall, their home opener. It was absolutely embarrassing. It was 90,000 degrees out. So the game itself sucked. But I don't even care. Like, I would still yeah. do it again because it was just such a great experience being able to go there and kind of soak everything in. And then the game just felt like uh, secondary to me. But anyway, like I said, it's just um, that's real cool that you get an opportunity to do a uh, Something like that. I, I feel like if I could go back and do it over again, I probably would have went to London. I, I didn't at the time. I was like, yeah, you know, it's gonna be expensive. I'd rather do other things with my money. I am. I'm going on a cruise in February, so I mean, you know, I kind of stay true to that. But I, I feel like I don't know. Hearing stories from you, uh, hearing stories from other people, seeing a lot of the photographs. Man, the scenery just unbelievable. Uh, well, Joe, Miller, Joe Miller was there. He put a lot of pictures up. You got you met? Didn't you meet up with Perino and uh and Ryan Talbot at one point? I feel like no, I didn't no? meet up with them. They were you know Ryan was in the press box. I was we were texting back and forth. Uh, you know pregame was texting back and forth with Joe Miller before the game. Like uh, did get to meet up with Matt Swain, the uh, the head of the UK Bills backers, which was great. So, oh yeah, that's cool. You know. And it, again, it was one of those, like, you have three full days there. It was either like you're immersing yourself in the Bills experience or the London experience. And, you know, it felt like you, if you end up spending time trying to coordinate with folks to get together, you're just going to end up spending all your time doing that. So we immersed ourselves in the London experience. And, and I would say to you, like, I know you're going on a trip just now, but, you know, if you're planning for the future, it, it's definitely something that you would uh, 
that you would enjoy. Yeah, I'm going to do it someday. I definitely want to start traveling more. I'm getting old. You know, I had um, Sal Capaccio and, and Eric Wood on the show over the weekend at Imperial Pizza. Didn't talk really Buffalo Bills at all. And one of the topics we were talking about is just getting old. Sal just turned 50, you yeah. know, around the same age. Eric's still young, which is crazy because he's yeah. just so much bigger than us. He's like the, you know, the biggest little brother in the yeah, history of the world. But he has for for somebody his age, you know, is in his late thirties. He just has so much life perspective to offer, and he just yeah, he just gets it. But anyway, Sal was talking about turning fifty, and he just let me ask you this, and then we'll get into some Bills talk too. He, he just he said he feels like he's just getting more curious as he gets older. Like he wants to learn things, he wants to know things that maybe. He wouldn't have take care of so much about in the past. Like you and I could be having a conversation and you might tell me about a city or you might tell me about something. As soon as I'm done talking to you, if I don't know what you're talking about, I might go look it up. You know, I might go Google yeah. something or, or try to find some information about it. Just, you get a lot more curious and you have a lot more perspective about everything in life. You kind of feel like that way as, as we're getting older. I don't want to call us old yet, but we're, we're, we're getting there anyway. Yeah, I think you get some different perspective. I mean, I think you try to, you know, things that would maybe bother you when you were younger, like you realize really aren't that big a deal, sure. whether they're in your personal life, your professional life, like things that, you know, that get to you really, really shouldn't. I mean, I've talked about before, you know, my son being a senior in high school, you start to realize like, oh my gosh, like this is you know, as a, as a parent, there's certain milestones that you get to with your kids and getting them to a certain point of like graduating high school, getting ready to, you know, go to college. If that's the path they decide to take, like those are things that can, can ground you pretty, pretty quickly. So I do, I do relate to what you were saying to what Sal was saying that it just, uh, you get a different perspective. And sometimes it's just like, you know, even in this, you know, you go online and you see people getting in fights about the Buffalo Bills or politics or just anything that's going on. It's just, man, life is too short to engage in a an argument with folks online over something as trivial as what they're arguing about. So yeah. it just uh yeah, you just you 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 grow up. And I, I think you you see that with a with a lot of folks and sales got a pretty good perspective there. I am growing up. I'm not there. <laughs> especially after like during a bills game like my twitter pat moran is probably somebody i'm you know yes i am referring to myself in third person probably needs to cut his fingers off during uh during buffalo bills games still at the moment real time emotional tweets from me uh i think i've said the bills are done two weeks ago i i was going pretty crazy the offense and uh a bunch of things actually from sunday's game I just, I, I can't help myself, man. I, I get into the moment and I said I was not going to be like emotional. But let me say this. It is one thing if it is in the moment and you are reacting to something that took place and then a day later, you're a more rational person. It, it's more along the lines of like, you know, on a, a Wednesday morning or whatever, and you're still you know, in yeah. that weird spot, you know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. know, like, and we get it. I mean, I'll make fun of you with stuff like, Oh my gosh, you said, you know, Terrell Bernard is the the worst ever. And then three <laughs> plays later, he gets an interception and all of a sudden you're like singing his praises. Like I get it. We, that, that's the type of stuff you, you get. It's the, you know, it's the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you're still holding on to this type of guy, gal that I'm just, that's, 
that I don't have any time for. Well, to be fair, with Terrell Bernard, all my shit talking with him was before the season started. I have been pretty much impressed with him since wow. the first snap of the season. I've liked him a lot. You know, I can't, I can't even remember what it was because I tweet so much shit, but I said something negative about the team during the game. And as I'm doing the offense, I'm sure, because I, I thought the offense played terrible for the most part. But then I looked and, and people were getting after me the next day. And I was like, you know, I like to go back and forth. I don't want to say fight with fans, but I will certainly debate you and try to outwit you. But it was, I can't even remember what it was to use a specific example, but I was like, they're right. Like I, this really was a dumb overreaction from me. God, it's, it's bothering me that I can't remember what it was. I know it was something offensive related though. But there is, there is always something. I put something out during the game because of course it's like, and during the game, I try not to look at Twitter, but sometimes if you're trying to get some perspective and it was just like the hate for Ken Dorsey and all the blame just on Ken Dorsey. And it was just like, who is far from perfect in what he does. But I think I put something out there like, you know, how dare Ken Dorsey drop that pass, fumble that, fumble the football, and you know miss those two defensive pass interference calls, and you know people jump down my throat like, well, he's not doing this and he's not doing that, and it's like, listen, I'm not saying that Dorsey is doing anything perfect, and then you're just like, okay, why did I, why did I even get into this and put it out there? Because I'm not going to engage with everybody that's responding, right? Joe Miller put a response, and like I know Joe, so of course I'll go back and forth with him a little yeah. bit reasonable conversation so yeah it's just lock up the phone during the game and then that, that's that's the uh that's what we should be doing i'm trying to look i i, I just I, I can't remember i know i was really pissed off that sean mcdermott punted at the end of the game too i know that you are good at not like with social media like you don't park yourself on there during the games which is probably smart just like and i've gotten to know you like through twitter your instagram like when you're on vacation and stuff like that like you don't post every little tiny thing that you do you don't have a million photos i ain't gonna front i do a lot of people do i like that about you that you don't you're kind of like actually living the moment instead of uh recording or or photographing every single moment or tweeting about every single moment but anyway yeah man i just uh i get i get hot-headed during games it's not going to change either so you know it, it is what it is but i do want to talk today about a handful of players, at least I think, and then I'll ask if, if you have a couple as well, maybe that um guys that just I feel like we know about them. Bill's fans certainly know a lot about them, but they're not really talked about much. It's still, you know, it's Josh Allen, it's it's Stefan Diggs, you know, well, well it was Matt Milano, you know, Micah Hyde, guys like that. But these are just a couple guys that uh, I've come up with that I just think are are really crushing it right now. And I want to start. You know, and nationally, some people are going to hear the name Teron Johnson and they're going to think of the one play, the end of the game on Sunday, where it was a penalty, by the way. There's no question about it. He should have been flagged and he wasn't. Anyway, who cares? That, that's one play. That aside, it, even if it would have been called a penalty, it's a ha it would have been like a four-inch penalty, five-inch penalty, if you really think about it. Yeah. It would have been half the distance. So I thought it was the right thing for him to do to, to get aggressive on the play. And if he gets called, he gets called got away with it he didn't anyway that aside you know i don't even throw out stats how many tackles or interceptions or all this stuff i think teron johnson is probably the most underrated player on the buffalo bills and i think he might be one of the most underrated players in the nfl i think he is without question one of the best slot corners in the nfl he's physical he's great in coverage he's smart i like everything about this kid man he has been 
so important to the success of the Bills. So much so, um, Anthony, that the Bills only play two linebackers 90, like 95% of the time. Yeah. And the reason why is because for being a corner, a slot corner, he's good in the box too, man. Talk about Teron Johnson. I know you're pretty high on him as well. Yeah, I mean, in, instinctually, here's a guy that can play both positions and take the 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 physical, you know, size that he is. I mean, certainly undersized as a a linebacker, but it's like he can he can play either role, right? Based mm-hmm. on what the offense is doing. And it is just so funny with him. Like we talk about players, we talk about guys and maybe having a crossroads. Like, here's a guy, what was it? The 2020 season, he was essentially benched. Right for yeah. Cam Lewis. Cam Lewis was going to be taking over for him as the slot corner. Cam Lewis gets hurt like five plays later. Teron Johnson yeah. has not looked back since then. And it's just like, you know, sometimes you can talk about confidence in a player or something to motivate them or whatever it is. Good for him. Right. I mean, and here is a guy that, especially then you talk about the loss of Matt Milano, he is as important probably as anyone on the defense right now. And you're not talking about it outside of Buffalo. And that's okay. Um, but here's a guy that's probably in line to get a, a contract extension uh, coming up pretty soon. You know, if we were to make a list a couple of weeks ago of like the Bills' most indispensable players. Yeah. The offensive side of the ball, it's obviously it's Josh and it's Stefan and it's Deion Dawkins because he plays left tackle. Defense, unfortunately, Trey Milano and Daquan Jones would have all been up there really high. I'd say Teron Johnson is really close to being at that level too because nothing against, I don't hate Teron Neal or Cam Lewis, but when Teron Johnson's not in the game, that level's going to drop big yeah. when he's not out there. He just does so many like kind of gr- little, almost like grimy things too, you know what I mean, that you need from a really physical, solid uh, defensive back, and he, he just gives it to you, man. I just... The Bills are being a lot – well, they already are in trouble on defense with what they've lost, but the Bills are being a lot more trouble if this cat went down, man. I'm just – Totally. I can't – I just – I can't express to you enough. He was the inspiration on why I'm thinking, like, in my mind, underrated players right now, right at the top, totally. right at the very top. Um, Not too far behind him is A.J. Epinesa this season. And uh, you want to talk about a guy who's who's really putting it together when it's his fourth year. He had six and a half sacks last year. And I remember, you know, I was looking at the numbers during the summer and I'm like, well, so what? Can you name a play last year, really, where AJ Epinesa had a huge impact, where one of those six and a half sacks really mattered all that much? It kind of felt to me, it was like, all right, well, the Bills get up three touchdowns. AJ Epinesa will get a third quarter sack for maybe a two yard loss, whatever. You know, stats can be misdeceiving, is basically what I'm telling you. This year, that's, that's not the case. Um, at the time, did we talk about it at the time? Because the Bills traded Boogie Basham, and I didn't like that at the time. Right. I thought Boogie Basham should have stayed. He's got two years under Teague Patrol, not one like AJ. Um, I thought Boogie Basham actually looked good in the summer at camp and some in the preseason, and he got traded to the Giants, which has not worked out very well for him, which no. makes you wonder that maybe it is the player and not the system. Anyway, they keep AJ and Vanessa, four sacks, four tackles for a loss, a team high six passes defended. He got a pick six. I looked it up before we uh, started talking today. PFF grades, 89.4 overall grade, 79.3 pass rush pressure grade. This guy's been um he's been sensational, Anthony. He's like he's important. He's 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 a part of this rotation that matters now. There's not a big drop off when he comes in from a starter. 
Yeah, no, and you talk about, you know, even just the passes deflected right at the line. His arms are active. He gets those hands in the passing lane. You know, and it's interesting with him. Like, if you look back to the player he was in college, he kind of looked more like a defensive tackle, right? Yeah. Here's a guy that was like 285 pounds, bull rush, just real physical and sort of like uh, using that to to dominate in those games. You know, he comes to Buffalo during 2020. We all remember no real offseason for him. Like OTAs are via Zoom and they're just doing things in video, you know, comes in healthy scratch early on. They've got him losing weight to get down to like 250, 255 pounds. I mean, you're talking about a 30 to 35 pound difference. Here's a guy that has transformed. And even when you talk about last season, and, and I'm the, in the same way, right? Like six and a half sacks, gosh, you don't even truly remember it, but he only played like 30% of the snaps. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't playing that much. So, you know, not that you're just going to do the math and say, well, if he was playing like a, a starter and 60% of the snaps, you'd get 13 sacks or whatever. You realize some of that is in, you know, uh, obvious passing type of situations, maybe on third and long things along those lines. But now the bills are going to be in a tough spot because you have to look at things and think, here's a guy, his contract is up. He is peaking at the right time, but also beyond the point where it's not just like this you know, oh, this isn't just a, a flash in the pan. Like he is making plays. He is making big time plays. And, uh, you know, you think about, and I know we'll, we'll probably talk about some other defensive ends coming up, but with, you know, Von Miller coming back from the injury, AJ Epinesa has filled that void and has been active. And that's what you want from your defensive end. Like he is creating a level of chaos and that is awesome to see. He's making plays. He's making future money. <laughs> oh yeah. I never really thought of him much going into the season, quite honestly, as a guy who, you know, would be a, a core piece that the bills are really going to try to have to, uh, to rate retain. And now you look at next year and they got so, I mean, Jesus Christ, we could spend the rest of this podcast talking about how many guys they got on one year deals right now. But yeah. when you think about guys who are, uh, have multi-year expiring contracts, it's AJ Epines and Gabe Davis. And I still think and would like to see the Bills keep Gabe Davis. I'm very much, and I know you are too, higher on him than a lot of other people are. Um, that's another conversation for another time. But anyway, I don't know, man. Now I'm starting to think about AJ Epinesa, and I'm like, you know, they might lose a couple other ends pretty soon. I'd like to have this guy. What's he going to cost? He's having a contract year, and he's playing himself into a uh, – to a lucrative offseason, which is good for him, of course, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. And I do think it it becomes a conversation. I was thinking the other day, like, okay, I'm still high on Gabriel Davis. I'd want him back in Buffalo. Don't get me wrong. But when you talk about prioritizing between those two, Von Miller's age, the injury history, of course, Gregory Rousseau, you're going to keep around. But it, you start to get to the point where it's just like, okay, if Epinesa can become a bit of a sure thing, Right. It might be easier to draft a wide receiver that can fill some of that role that Gabriel Davis has than it is to to get a defensive end. You see plenty of defensive ends that are drafted high that just don't hit. Right. They don't materialize. So, again, that'll be a conversation for for another day. We got some time before that. But it is, you know, it's start starting to look at things and say he might be priority one when it comes to, to guys that you need to resign. Thank you. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, I'm back here with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. We're going over a handful of players that are at least semi under the radar nationally that have really helped contribute to the Bills getting off to their four and two start this season. We just spoke of AJ Epinesa on the defensive side. I want to continue same position, Leonard Floyd. And I'll tell you this, I beat myself up. I make fun of myself too. You know, horrible takes on, I thought Terrell Bernard was going to be shit. I hated, 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 hated the Dorian Williams pick on draft day. Yeah. Um, and part in fairness to me, because I'm like, this guy's just going to be stuck behind Matt or Matt Milano forever. And now we're seeing because of injury, of course, but you know, Dorian Williams is very important suddenly to the yeah. fortunes of the 2023 Bills football team right now. But anyway, for all the stuff I got wrong, one thing that I feel like I got right from the start was the signing of Leonard Floyd. At one point before the season, I had a free agent episode and I kind of power ranked every Bills free agent signing in order of how I think it would go. And I had Leonard Floyd number one. I was pretty high on him. The Bills didn't even sign him. He was a free agent until June. So a lot of teams dropped the ball because this dude is killing it, man. Six games this year. Leads the team with six and a half sacks already. Got 16 pressures, nine run stops, and a forced fumble. He was, you know, ideally you're like, he. hopefully he can hold it down while Vaughn Miller gets back. Vaughn Miller's back two weeks now. And I don't want Leonard Floyd not on the football field when the Bills want a sack. You know, Vaughn will get them, he'll ramp up more and more each week, and hopefully he'll become the Vaughn Miller that we've known throughout his career. But even if he does, what a great pickup Leonard Floyd has been, and what a productive guy. And I don't like any, any as much as I hate Aaron Rodgers, and we've talked about this, I don't want anyone to get hurt, especially a serious injury. But it was Leonard Floyd who was, you know, wrecking havoc against the Jets in week one. This guy has been a factor, I think, pretty much every game this season so far. 
He's been a factor, and he's been playing hurt these last couple of weeks. He yeah, got up in uh, London against Jacksonville, yeah, and uh, he's playing through it. And you know, it's one of those players. And and you know, Pat, you're probably like me. It's like you know, you follow the NFL. Of course, you're not watching teams as closely as you do the Bills. Like you know, you see him out there. It's like him and Gregory Rousseau wrecking havoc setting yeah. the edge the size that these two guys have right just these like long arms six foot five six foot seven whatever they are like you know they come out there it's just like they are making a difference and he is making a difference and like you just said the fact that he wasn't signed until june how does that happen you know when you talk about the premium that is put on pass rushers a guy that had had over nine sacks per season the three years three before years, coming yeah. to, to Buffalo, just to to be able to come in. I'm so happy that he is is here. He's delivering. And I think it gets to that point as, as you were just saying, you know, now as Von Miller comes back, you know, maybe it takes a little bit of pressure off of him, but I'm not even worried about his snap count going down too much because I mean, you have Kingsley Jonathan playing a lot of snaps. You know, you still have Shaq Lawson playing a lot of snaps. Like there are, there is, there is space for these guys to, to have their time where Vaughn can ramp up. And again, you know, there's going to be some, some dings and, and nicks here and here and there that happens. I mean, heck, you know, Rousseau already missed a game and, you know, you can't say that that doesn't have an impact on this team, especially when you're getting gashed along the edge by the, Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, and I know we don't want to talk about that game, but like a guy that makes a difference. But Leonard Floyd, what a great signing for the the team, and he's just showing no signs of slowing down, even though he's on the wrong side of thirty. Yeah, you know, sidebar here, sidebar one of two. Actually, the Bills are six deep at defensive end. That is crazy. Yeah, Kingsley Jonathan's pretty good. Yeah, he had a high, he had the highest grade of anyone on the Bills defense against Jacksonville in London. He's good. Um, Jack yeah. Lawson is maybe your sixth defensive end. He still yeah. does something. He had a big third down stop Sunday uh, against the Giants, a huge stop. It's crazy. Vaughn Miller. So again, you were there in London and we all saw it on TV. That first game back, he had 20 reps. Dude, he was no more effective than if you, if Anthony Marino was out there playing edge, he just wanted to get what I'm saying is for him. It was almost like spring training. It was like a preseason game. He just had to get out there, get some live action. He wasn't in bending at all. You know, nothing like that at all. Uh, this past week, you could see a little bit more. And he said it after the game, too. Still not there, obviously. I mean, we know what Vaughn Miller could do. But he said he was starting to feel a little more bendy. And you could see yeah. it. He was kind of getting that shoulder a little bit lower, kind of taking a little bit more of an angle towards the quarterback. Whereas London, it was just run a straight line, you know, the law, taking the law way to get there. So good news when I'm saying it's for the Bills. This is good news. I, I think Vaughn Miller maybe is two to three weeks away where I think you're going to see the full Vaughn Miller um, experience. By another sidebar, because this was driving me absolutely crazy. I couldn't remember the specific tweet that I was talking about where I said I overreacted during the Giants game on Sunday yeah. where fans were like killing me. And then the next day, as much as I wanted to fight with them, I'm like, you know what? This was a little over the top with me. This was my tweet. And again, this was after Sean McDermott punted combined with uh, the shotgun on second and a quarter of a yard from the goal line where Dorsey went to, to shotgun instead of putting Josh under center. I said, win or lose, 
This is one of the worst five coordinated and head coach games I've ever seen. Obviously won't happen, but fireable offenses. I said fireable offenses and people came at me hard. And again, as much as I like defending myself and, and going back and forth with fans, this was a case where, man, I, I, I can't do it. I just, I had to eat my shit. You know what I mean? On, yeah. on Twitter the next day, because but the Bills won this and then they're four and two. I'm like, yeah, they are. <laughs> Listen. You can criticize the coaches, but fireable offenses. I mean, it might have been a little bit too much. I was really pissed about that part, though. You must have been. That's a quick gosh. I just, yeah, a little bit of emotion. But anyway, yeah, like I said, Leonard Floyd has been great. And, and we've already talked about this guy a couple of times on this podcast. And I'm bringing him up because he's one of my four here. Jarrell Bernard. I just, God, I cannot believe how good he's been. Stats. 57 tackles, two sacks, five tackles for a loss, two picks, two forced uh, or two fumble recoveries. By the way, three tackles for a loss in that game Sunday night against the Giants. And I watched the game film, and he still, you know, some mistakes here and there that you you don't want to see. So, a couple pass coverage things. But I keep waiting for him to get, I keep saying, oh, he's going to get swallowed up in the running game. Teams are going to run all over right through him. It ain't happening so far. He's getting off blocks. His run grade from a PFF, 76.8 PFF run grade, way higher than I would expect. It's up there amongst the better better uh, inside middle linebackers right now in the NFL. Bottom line is this. He's proven a lot of people, including me, obviously, especially wrong because he's been he's went from being someone I thought was going to be a complete liability to yeah. hopefully can kind of, you know, just steer the ship a little bit. He's an asset to this defense right now. He's playing great. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting when he was drafted and again, right, like we all follow the draft. We have fun with it, but we don't we don't know as much as the guys that do this. For sure. living. And I still remember when he was selected. I mean, Joe Marino was just like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, he was kind of beside himself with what the Bills had done. And even you think this between training camp preseason, he's hurt. You're just like, all right, this is going to be the guy. And what a pleasant surprise, right? I mean, a guy that just, and, and even these past two weeks of still making plays without Matt Milano on the field, because sometimes you can think like, oh, you know, is he benefiting from having, you know, the all pro next to him and everything that's taking place? Just what a pleasant surprise, because I think when you look at this season and what the defense is right now, that was the area that was the biggest concern for all of us. And now it's like an afterthought as far as a concern because he's just doing a great job each and every week. And his significance is is more important now than ever with uh, yeah. with Matt Milano gone, and he's the more experienced starter right now amongst the linebackers with Dorian Williams uh, next to him. Yeah, I, you know, I, I talked about this a little bit on the show. I'll kind of bring this up to you as well. What I like most about Bernard right now and this is no necessarily disrespect to um, Tremaine Edmonds, but Tremaine just never seemed to be around the football. You know, he didn't have those sacks. And it's not to say Tremaine was a shitty player because he was, and he was good. Yeah. But there were lapses with Tremaine, and he just never seemed to have those interceptions or sacks or, or he was falling on a football that would just fall into his lap at some point. You would think that would happen. It never well, did. Like Jerome Jer numbers for the year – Anthony already as much as splash play wise as anything Jermaine's ever done over a full season with the Bills. Yeah, and then listen, they're two different players. I mean, yeah. one is six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. The other one's what five eleven, two twenty. Like it's they're just 
different physically when it when it comes to that. Um, Tremaine Edmonds did have an interception on a tip pass last yeah, uh, last that. weekend last week in their game, and I remember watching that and just being like, "Oh my gosh!" I you know I didn't run to Twitter or anything along those lines, but I'm like, I'm sure for anyone that's watching this game right now, they're probably screaming at the TV like, you know, where has that been the last five seasons? But my first thought was he's heard of my narrative because he hadn't had a sack and interception or a forced fumble this entire season before that play. Yeah, where's your tough spot? Yeah, um, is there anybody? Like I, I just ran off four. One thing I don't like is every guy I mentioned. I mean, I like all these players, but it's all on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I got, I got to- two things that I'll mention, and one, um, just real quick, Latavius Murray. You know, kind of a, uh, and I sure. get it. People Good will one. say, like, from a running back standpoint, yeah, you can just grab anyone back there, but you know, he's six four, two hundred and fifty pounds, thirty three years old. And still incredibly reliable. And I think you look at there's a sense of trust that the Bills have with him at a time when, you know, they need to grind out some yards. I mean, James Cook doing some nice things, but still young, maybe not as sure-handed as someone like Murray is. So I put him on the list, but not a player, um, but I will include Sean McDermott. And I say that because there were so many questions going into this season around him being the defensive coordinator and the head coach. What was that going to look like? How is this going to be able to work? Some people might say like, well, you know, he's not chiming in on the offense enough or Dorsey or whatever, but like just being the head coach and the defensive coordinator, this defense is better than it was under Leslie Frazier. And you can say whatever you want of like, well, McDermott was really the one calling the plays. Like, listen, in some ways there's going to be a, a compromise or you've got people with, with different takes and different things that's going on. But considering what the bills have had lost, like in Tremaine Edmonds, again, Terrell Bernard coming in um, different players, different pieces. You talk about AJ Epinesa, you talk about the success that they're having, what Ed Oliver has been doing this year, what Daquan Jones was doing this year before he got hurt. The bills defense is better with arguably less personnel than they had last season. So I think Sean McDermott deserves some credit for that. Um, when you talk about, you know, and he's probably not getting enough credit for it. When it comes to Latavius Murray, I'm a hundred percent with you. You know, I thought it was notable too. And during the game on Sunday against the giants, him and cook had the exact same amount of snaps and Murray started the game. I don't know if you noticed that. And I think a lot of that is like you said, trust James cook is you know, the more explosive running back, obviously. Totally. And he's not, James Cook's not playing bad. Let's just throw that out there. Jacksonville game was a nightmare. Only had my minus one total yard. But the reason why, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, James Cook, and I this kind of shocked me when I looked it up. He has the second per PFF, the second worst pass blocking grade among any running back in the entire NFL. Whereas yeah. Latavius Murray's much more trustworthy back there. So if you're going to sling the ball around and you're not going to throw the ball to the running back, which, by the way, talk about egregious from Ken Dorsey, dude. Zero targets from the running back through 60 minutes of football on Sunday. How do you not dump a ball off, call one something to a running back? That I really agree. pisses me off. We're going down the long road. I, so you're going to make me relive Sunday again here. But anyway, yeah, I like Latavius Murray. Runs hard. I trust him. I trust him. When he's in the game, I'm not worried about the ball hitting the ground. Yeah. I mean, they didn't convert a first down in that final drive. I certainly don't blame Murray, but I felt good about Murray. If the Bills need a first down to put a game away and send the other team back to the bus, Latavius Murray's the guy I want. As much as I like James Cook right now, 
I still I trust Murray. So I think Murray's a really good one. I'm going to half agree with you with Sean McDermott. Everything you said about the defense, you're right. Um, I think he's done a great job. I think you are definitely, you know, forget about just even the personnel. I see much more aggressiveness with this team, whether it's blitzing, where the blitzes are coming from. Um, the mistakes that the defense makes right now pretty much is limited to tackling. They've done at times yeah. a pretty shitty job of tackling. That's not the coaches. That's the player. Make the play. You're in position. Make the play. So I, I think coordinating-wise, I think McDermott's been awesome. So I agree with you there. But when you come, when you go overseas and you sleep through a first half on offense like they did, when you play a team that you were the biggest favorite against, I think the Bills were more favorite against the Giants on Sunday night than any team's been against any other team this entire season. And you play like crap through at least the first half, especially on offense. Even the beginning of the season, the first game against the Jets, where the offense just couldn't get going. I know it's a lot on doors. You're not so much a Jets game, so actually, let's just throw that out. But London, in this in this past week, I don't know. This just felt like a team to me, Joe, that didn't seem, especially in the London game, just wasn't ready to play. And if you're not ready to play a football game, to me, that kind of comes to the – if you're flat, if you're playing without emotion, it just looks like you're going through the motions a little bit. To me, to some extent, I think the head coach – that falls on him some. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think when you you say that, but it's also, you know, that score was 11 to 7 at halftime. The defense came ready to play. So it's like oh, yeah, when, yeah. You say, when you say it's half, and I, I get it. You said you agree with half of what I said. And I know we're not getting into to all of this um, again, and you've been through it. But I will I will argue that the Bills travel plan was a huge mistake. Yeah, that's an organizational failure. Travel, traveling, traveling through the night is a, a huge mistake. These guys are gigantic men, physical specimens, sleeping on a plane and just thinking that you're going to like, no, that that was that was a mistake. No matter what day that you you flew out on. Um, and to me, I again, and maybe that was McDermott's decision, maybe it nah. whatever, but you know, I think that that adds to to piece of it when you talk about fatigue and the mistakes that were made, the drop passes, the sloppiness, the penalties, the things along those lines. And it's not making an excuse. I mean, like you said, with the missed tackles, like players have to be better. But um, I don't feel like they did them any favors to be better. Yeah, them. and if you're watching or listening to this, anyone out there, whatever you do, do not go back to the London week and listen to the podcast where I profusely praise the Bills for going late in the week and saying their sports science department knows what they're doing and that this was <laughs> the right move. I definitely did not say any of that shit uh, at all. Yeah, that, 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 that's terrible. If, uh, hopefully they learned a lesson if they got to go there again at some point. I think it's like, what, every eight years, I think a team now has got to go over overseas to play a game, something like that. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, terrible decision. Anyway, uh, I, again, I'll give you half of Sean McDermott and I think Latavius Murray – was a good one. All right, moving on real quick here before we get to our finish the sentence uh, segment to wrap up. They're playing the Patriots. If you hate the Patriots, like I'm sure you do and most Bills fans do, and quite frankly, I do as well, this feels like a, a good time to play them. This team sucks. They're one in five. They stink. They stink, and it's great. And I've watched a lot of this Patriots. Uh, I've watched a lot of their games this year. And other than maybe that Philly game where they came back and looked pretty good doing it, and they did okay against Miami, but this is just a bad team. Man. This is a garbage team. Matt Jones, 
he's horrible. I don't know any other way to say it, dude. The guy's terrible. Five touchdowns, seven picks. This is a fun time or a good, not maybe a fun time. It's the right time for the Bills to be playing the Patriots because they are reeling. They're one in five. They're done. You almost get to the, you know, where they're like, this might be one of the two or three worst teams in the NFL. Go and stop them. It's there to go get them this week. It, it is there to go get them. I mean, it is different. I mean, a lot of people said that about the Giants game too. And I'll always contend like, yeah, you know, whatever the Giants are on paper, it's still Brian Dable is their head coach. And if anybody knows what, you know, the Bills weaknesses are, this is a guy, especially with Josh Allen, that that would. The Patriots don't have that level of intelligence. They don't have that level of intel. They don't have that. They don't have the the players. They It is such a weird thing and it's still the Patriots. So there's no part of me that is ever going to just look at things and say like, hey, these guys are just, you know, whatever kind of expectations because right. Belichick, it's, there's always something, right? Even back, whatever, three seasons ago when Cam Newton, you know, fumbled the ball as they were getting into field goal range, which would have tied the game and the Bills end up winning 24-21. So I'm not going to look past him, but it's just, um, gosh, what a weird place for that franchise to be in after all these years. Yeah, you know, I, I got to tell you, man, Matt Jones to me is one of the worst quarterbacks in the entire NFL right now. And let, let's take the Bills, okay? You take this team, their schedule, this whole roster, but let's just say he's your number two and Josh went down on the first play against the Jets and Matt Jones is the quarterback on this team. I think the Bills are two and four this year instead of four and two. I think they lose to Miami and I think they lose to the Giants. If everything else played out the way it did, I just I can't tell you how much I think this quarterback is just trash for them. It is hard to tell, though, because his and I say it's hard to tell because his rookie season, I mean, there were definitely enough things that he did where you're just like, OK, as a rookie, there's there's something there's something here. Um, then you get into different pieces, you know, shouting matches with his coaches. I mean, we get it. Matt Patricia was his offensive coordinator, like just getting let's just say handsy on the field. Right. With like different guys like there's there's something there's something off. Right. Of just like. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's like, yeah, I would love to see the Bills defensive line just honestly just get after him so much on on Sunday and just make things miserable for him. He's just I used to think he was a likable guy, kind of the aw shucks this like, yeah, no, nah, there's there's not a whole lot that's likable about him. Like like you said, you don't want anyone to to wish injuries on anyone. I would never do that, but you know, if they sack him eight or nine times, that would be a lot of fun on Sunday. They, they spent good money on Juju Schuster too. And, you know, he's kind of, he were, he's sort of like the Dawson Knox of the Patriots to me. And by that, I mean, Dawson Knox is just completely underwhelming this year. And the topic of this show, that's why we didn't really talk about him, is good underrated players so far for the Bills. But Juju Schuster, 14 catches. He's only got 86 yards this season. And he's playing in every game too for yeah. the Patriots. And to raw, you know, for insult to injury, literally, I mean that no pun intended, but Matthew Jadon, who's played well against the Bills in the past, leads the team with four sacks. He's hurt. He's out. They're in their first round pick. Uh, the corner, Christian Gonzalez, has been hurt and, and he's not playing either. I don't know. You you were right about one thing, though. If we would have had this conversation, you know, you were coming back from London last week, so you weren't on the show, and we would have been talking Bills Giants. I said, Oh, give me a prediction. In our wildest dreams, we never would have said that that game is going to come down to the final play of the football game. Never. So I get that. I just, I can't 
see a way. There would be so many things that would have to go wrong for the Bills to not go in New England. By the way, I think they're an eight-point favorite too. In New the Bills are the biggest favorite in New England at any point since Tom Brady's rookie season. That's how long it's been since the Bills have been a bigger road favorite um, in Foxborough. But I'm going to ask you anyway. Give me a prediction. Uh, I'll give you uh, 28-14, Bills. 28-14? Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. Let's finish up with our uh, finish the sentence segment. I like doing these with you, man. This has really got nothing to do about sports. These are just three kind of like life or pop culture questions that I ask Anthony ask we, or each week. An opportunity for fans to, to get to know a little bit more about both of us besides just what we think about the Bills. Anthony's nice, even kill approach to the team. My absolutely idiotic, hothead approach uh, to the team. Nice little balance here. Anyway. All right. First question here. My favorite sandwich to make is blank. Um, gosh, it's, it, it's like, yeah, I got a boring answer and then I got one that's a, a little less boring. So, I mean, the boring answer is just like, I still like a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay. If crunchy well, peanut okay. butter, wheat bread, grape jelly. It is like still a staple in my life of whatever. And that is, that's an easy one. The other, just a, a good thin sliced roast beef, Swiss cheese, rye bread, horseradish mayo. Hits the spot every time. <laughs> Mine is, and you want to talk about boring. I'm going with grilled cheese. And, and here, here's the funny thing. All right. So thanks for making almost, me feel better about myself. No, 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 no. That's fine, man. All right. So it's almost 10 a.m. And uh, on Wednesday, which, by the way, I usually preface this at the beginning of all of our shows. We're recording this in the morning. So if something crazy happens, there's a Bills trade or the injury report comes out and we find out something that we have no clue about, Anthony and I didn't talk about it because we taped the show early on Wednesday. And the reason why I bring that up now, I should have done it earlier, but my, my answer is grilled cheese and it's become a part of my everyday life, actually. I went to Target recently and because I can't cook out of stove or shit. It's actually embarrassing. I bought a grilled cheese maker. It costs like $16. And my wife kind of taught me a little bit of a trick anyway. So, you know, you put the bread on the thing. Obviously, I'm telling people how to make a goddamn grilled cheese sandwich, you know, with the cheese in the middle and you just push the thing down and set the timer for like three and a half minutes. It comes out perfect. But what my wife kind of taught me that I never done before is like, I have a bunch of spices, some seasoning. I got like this Chipotle seasoning. I usually put on chicken. I put just a little bit on the bread, kind of like gives it some flavor and it just tastes so much better. But anyway, that's my morning thing. Now I'm trying to eat better. And I know that's funny saying I don't eat better with a grilled cheese sandwich, but I don't eat until noon. Like I get up in the morning, I have a cup of coffee, maybe two, but I don't eat anything until noon. And every day at noon, I plug in the grilled cheese maker and that's my breakfast now. <laughs> so I have that. And then I eat something like about three, three thirty for lunch. But anyway, yeah, I'm going with grilled cheese because it is literally now a part of my, uh, everyday routine best 16 bucks i've ever spent in my life on something by the way at target it just makes making uh my grilled cheese sandwiches so much easier anyway all right let's move on here my favorite retail store that no longer exists is blank easy choice circuit city i mean that mm. used to be my spot right where it was just like and, and you know circuit city was in its heyday Shortly after I graduated from college, you know, you got a little money in your pocket for the first time. At least you feel like you've got, you know, getting a paycheck, this and that. And I mean, it would be like a Saturday afternoon, you know, you roll into Circuit City, you come out with a 
couple of DVDs or a gadget or whatever it is. And it just like, that was my, that was always my, my happy place. And it's, uh, you know, it's funny, like the, the days of walking through the DVD section and seeing everything that's on sale and on display, obviously in our on-demand world and streaming platforms, that's not something that happens anymore, but certainly that was, uh, an easy answer for me. You know, I, uh, I never, I forgot about circuit city. I forgot it even existed. And so you just yeah. brought that up. That's not a bad one um, for me. And this isn't like a national chain. It's a Buffalo thing. But growing up on the West side, not far from Main Street, it was definitely record theater. I used to go to record theater to get yeah. all my shit, man. All my, uh, well, I want to cassette tapes well before the, the sure. CD era. But I used to walk there. I was into hip hop, like I said, especially in like the mid to late 80s. And I would take all the allowance, any money that I earned or whatever I got from odds and ends, and I would go blow all my money on a cassette. So people, Buffalo people will remember that place, at least older ones anyway. But I, any record any record store, right, that's that yeah. same type of experience, like I was talking about with the DVDs, like, you know, just walking through, or even if it was uh, House of Guitars and you're just like flipping through different, you know, album covers and just seeing what's there and just like that used to be something that you would you do. miss that. Do you miss totally that stuff? Miss it, right? Because I mean, you would just be walking around and you would see something and be like, oh gosh, I don't even know what this is. But for some reason it caught my eye or it's a collaboration between two artists and just being like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to buy this. I used to buy cassette singles sometimes, just like I'm not committing to the full, to the full album, but like, hey, for, for two bucks, I'm going to, I'm going to try this out. But yeah, man, you could just like walk around a, a you know, music store, record store, whatever you want to call it for hours and just yeah. checking out music and finding artists that you never would really discover before. You know, maybe, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're being, at least I am, you know, the old guys right now are reminiscing, taking That's strolls cool. down memory lane, but I do miss record stores. I miss it a lot. You know, yeah. in today's world, you would tell me, Oh, if you heard, uh, you got to go check out Britney Spears's brand new album, whatever. And I'm like, okay. And then I pull up my phone and I'll type in Britney Spears on, on Spotify or whatever. And I'll just stream the album. And that took me, what, 20 seconds, which is convenient. I mean, don't get me wrong. It totally. is convenient. But back in the day, you would tell me that, you know, hey, there's this new Run DMC album. It's pretty dope. I'd be, all right. I'd go walk to Record Theater and go get the cassette or the album. And while I'm there, to your point, start going through stuff, looking for deals and, and browsing around Um. Yeah, people, especially if you love music, obviously, it's uh, yeah. it's something I, I definitely miss a lot. All right, uh, last one here, sticking with uh, when we were younger. My favorite video game to play growing up was Blank. Yeah, I think it would have been easy for me to say Tecmo Bowl, but then as I was thinking, um, Nintendo also used to have a game called Baseball Stars. And Baseball Stars, you could create your own team, your own players, and as you would win games, you could like power them up. So I would make my own major league baseball all-star team with Kirby Puckett and Eric Davis and Cal Ripken. And I would build them up to a point where they were like unstoppable. But that was that one game that like to save your statistics, when you turn the game off, you had to do like the power and the reset button at the exact same time. And like years later, I remember I screwed it up once and I lost all of it, all of it. But it was also to the point where it's like, Everybody on my team was just hitting dingers like every time they got up to bat. It wasn't even fun anymore. But that game, like that first one that would have you in the model to be able to like 
build a team, create a season, keep statistics, have leaderboards and all that stuff. That game to me was was awesome. And that was like, you know, before things like Madden or MLB The Show or 2K or all these sports games really became something. Uh, so to me, that was uh, that was a good choice. Tecmo Bowl would be right up there yeah. with me. Although when you look back at it now, how easy dumb as someone was. Like Bo Jackson was pretty much unstoppable. There Christian Okoye. Christian Okoye. There was just some unstoppable stuff. He used to play it all the time. But I want to go way back, Space Invaders, when I was a young kid, as you know, as primitive as it seems now at the time, felt really innovative. Um, and by the way, I wasn't much of a video gamer. You know what I mean? I never, like, I wasn't the kid at the arcade taking all my quarters. I was buying baseball cards with all my money. I wasn't going to the arcade and playing games. And I didn't play, I had an Atari, but um, I didn't can play I, that much. Can I tell you something? It's so uh, funny as you ahead. said that. The one game that at the arcade that I was the best at was Cubert. And really? Cubert, like, was not a, you know what I mean? Like, it's not this, like, badass game that you would play or anything along those lines. But that stupid alien jumping up and down that pyramid to go i would have like the the high score forever like people huddled around as i'm like advancing to the next level in this but it was cuber like it's not you know it's not space invaders it's not galaga it's not something that you know <laughs> freaking cuber like so whatever oh my god that just came like rushing back as as you yeah. said space invaders so. you know you, actually my game would be and even though i say growing up i suppose technically i was kind of grown up because i was like maybe between the ages of like say 18 or 21 the early nhl ea nhl games like say in the mid to late 90s my, my friend who's still i, I think mill sure floor hockey's still open in tonawada anyway my friend owned that place and used to have an office and we used to hang out and this was before computers and shit like that we used to have leagues and we would have teams we would keep stats like we would actually write down in a notebook we would have a league we'd each pick a team you know keep stats for the players but the computer didn't keep the stats we used to do it ourselves and in the notebooks and we would add up uh all the points that was that was a lot of fun Anyway, all right, that's going to do it for this episode. I like these kind of like strolls down memory lane. Uh, and even, especially if the Bills, I mean, the Bills won. So whatever, if they played a bad game, they won. That's all that matters, I guess, at the end of the day. But these like kind of personal nostalgic stuff, they always make me feel good at the end of these episodes, no matter what's going on with the Bills. But anyway, make sure you give Anthem follow on Twitter at Anthem Marino. This was fun, buddy. Good to have you back. Glad you got back safe from London. Glad you went, uh, you and your kid enjoyed your trip. Always appreciate you having on, man. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. All right, guys. And I will be back. Like I said, I'll be uh, actually tonight, if you're listening to this on Thursday, I'll be live from Imperial Pizza with Buffalo Bills beat reporter from Batavia, Alex Brasky. Talk to you then.